Welcome uh, to Church in the Valley. My name is Alex Barrett, and I'm the executive pastor at Church in the Valley and also the campus pastor of our Alhambra campus. And Randy today is speaking in Alhambra, and I'm here in Diamond Bar, and it's, it's a really good thing to, to be uh, with all of you. Uh, today we're, we're wrapping up our series called My Life in Focus. And if you haven't kind of been here for any of the other messages, you can always listen online at churchinthevalley.com. But I also want to, to just recap so we're, we're all on the same page. Anytime you talk a vision, sometimes it can be a word uh, that's nebulous where you, you know you're supposed to have it, but you're not exactly sure what that means. And so vision is really a picture, um, a specific picture of something that you have of what you want to accomplish uh, in life. It's a clear mental picture. And so what we have a picture of kind of determines what we want to see happen, uh, which determines directions that we want to take and steps that we take to make this picture a reality. And oftentimes in life, without realizing, we actually have a vision for most of our life. Uh, it may not be as big as we thought it should be or the same as someone else, but we all have pictures that we have that kind of has, this is what I want to see happen. This is what I'd like to come about. This is what I'd like to accomplish. And so we've been talking about how do you actually, one, determine your own vision for your life and what it is, and then ask the question, does this vision line up with God's vision for my life? And here at Church in the Valley, we always want to be getting to the point, we want to help people get to the point where we determine, is my vision and my direction, the picture I have, does that actually match what God wants for me? And we really want to help people get on the same page with God, because we believe that following Christ, his way, brings about the best kind of life possible. And so that's what we've been talking about. Uh, we kind of launched this series uh, with this idea of kind of the umbrella vision, uh, how to have like big vision for your life, because that's going to determine a lot of what you do and where you go and decisions that you make. And we launched this series talking about the importance of knowing God in a personal way, in a kind of a regular way, spending time with him in the scriptures, spending time in prayer and communicating with him, knowing him, and then giving your life to, to actually making him known as well. And that vision obviously determines a lot of choices that we make. And so that's kind of where we launched. And then from there, we talked about how this umbrella vision, knowing God and making him known, how that is, has implications in what we do with our decisions, what we do with our money, what we do with the attitudes that we have, and, and all sorts of things. And so today, we're going to actually close out this series talking about the picture that we have uh, for family life. Uh, what, what should our family be, be all about? And if you're here and, and you're married and you have kids, you may have a specific picture in mind. Uh, you may be here and, and you're not married and you're trying to figure out what that picture is for you. Uh, you may be here and you're married and the picture that you had in your mind and the picture that you're experiencing are, are different. And so the idea here is no matter what you've experienced or the situation you find yourself, uh, when you dig into the scriptures, you actually find there, there are some really practical things that help us build the foundation for what our life should be about. And no matter if your family's big or small, we all have to choose what is my family going to be all about? What is the picture that we have? And is that the picture that God wants? And so to do that, you have to actually shift from vision to a, a godly vision. And so you actually have to start asking the question, uh, what, what does God want in my life? What does God want in these specific areas, whether that's our relationship, whether that's our work, whether that's kind of our goals, our dreams, wh whatever that may be. And so godly vision, you'll see there on the screen, is a clear mental picture of what God wants me to accomplish with my life. There's the shift. Not just what I want to accomplish, 
even if it's so clear, but actually, what does God want me to accomplish? And then what you find is as you get to know God and you decide, I, I want to do life his way and I want to get to know him and I actually want to learn from him. And by that, I mean that he's going to have to trump me and his decisions and the things that he wants for my life have to become more important than, than my own. And this is a process that happens over a lifetime. You get to know God and you get to know God. But what you find is the picture gets more and more clear. And what you find about vision is the clearer the picture, the more motivation you can have and the more willing you take ownership of it because you know where you're headed. Have you ever tried to go somewhere and you have no idea how to get there? You're, you're tentative, right? You're a little timid because you're not sure I don't want to go the wrong way. The same is true in life. The, the, the clearer the vision and the more of an idea we have of where we need to go, the more ownership we have, the more motivated we are. And that's what you find there. Vision plus ownership equals everyday motivation. I don't know about you, but I don't always wake up with this motivation in mind. Right? I just wake up like, I just want to get to my Keurig coffee as soon as possible. Because I think things are going to become clearer as soon as I have my cup of coffee. Or as soon as I get to work. Or as soon as I get home. Or as soon as the weekend comes, we can, we can live like this. But again, the clearer the picture... And the better idea we have of what God wants for us, we actually can have real motivation. And so I want to talk a little bit about what this means uh, in, in family life. And I don't know about you, but I grew up in the 80s and sitcoms were big on like family sitcoms. And in the 90s, it kind of shifted to TGIF. Do you guys ever, you know, ever remember like Friday night, you kind of get with your family and you'd watch shows and I'm looking and... You guys have no idea what I'm talking about. TJF, like Urkel, Family Matters, you know? We're going to watch a clip. We're going to start with the 80s, and then we're going to move on to the 90s. Check this out. I've never, Silver Spoons, what is that? Actually, I don't really remember Silver Spoons, but I remember, man, that, that Growing Pain soundtrack came on. It was like, man, I was picturing myself in my living room back in the day. That was my picture. This was, you know, the song came on, and I kind of had this picture of this is what family life is all about. And that, that tends to happen. 
oftentimes our vision for family life becomes what we experience by the family that we're in, but also from what we see. And a lot of times that can be influenced by media. There's a sense in which TV and, and the media is saying this is what the perfect picture of a family should be. And like I mentioned, just for you guys who are a little bit younger and you've never watched any of these shows, uh, this, is, this, this is a little bit more in the 90s. Family matters. I mean, there's a vision right there. Family matters. Full house, it's a little bit crowded. All right? Boy meets world. Okay, now we start to get off track a little bit. It doesn't quite streamline as much. But all these have a vision for, for family life. And what you find is, uh, a lot of times, without thinking about it, uh, these pictures that we've experienced and seen on TV can become just really the vision that we have for family life. It's like, it's the perfect picture. Everyone gets along and they have conflict, but they work it out. And you kind of narrate your life by what you, you watch. Uh, some of us even get vision from maybe what we've seen in our, our own friends, like their family. And you look and you say, well, their family's like this. And it's kind of like this, this picture that we have. And then we have our own experience as well, what, what our family life was like. And so many times based on our experience, we either want to do it exactly like we were raised or we want to change some things or we want to borrow things from here and borrow things from there. And what you find is a lot of times it can just become really unclear. When it comes down to it, what should my family be all about? What should the picture be? And when you look at really kind of two extremes, and there's a lot in between, there's kind of two approaches to family life. The first is like it's a club. Our vision for family life is a club. Everyone has certain rights in the family, and with the rights come privileges, and you each kind of play your role. And the role you're playing is maybe based on your birth order, your personality, but you, you, we all kind of have the rights of membership because we're all part of this family, and so we're, we're a club. And then on the other end of the spectrum, you see this idea of we're, we're a team. We actually don't necessarily focus on our own rights or our own privileges, but we have one together as a team. And what I want to talk about today is really to, to find the purpose that God has and the vision that he has for family life. We have to make this shift from a club where we're all kind of individual members looking out for our own interests to becoming a team where all of us work together, no matter the size of the family, we, we all work together to really accomplish the purpose that our family needs to be about. And so the first thing is you have to shift from the club mentality to the team mentality. Then once you become the team mentality, you actually have to learn as a family, no matter where you are, what is the purpose that our team needs to work towards? And so that's one of the key questions. What is the purpose of my family? What should be the purpose of this team that, that God has given us. And everyone has to, to answer that. And so what you did find in the scriptures is that it comes really with one key question that gives kind of this clearer vision. And it's this question. What pleases God in this moment? That really becomes the purpose of the team of family life. If we're all going to work together to do what God wants us to do, you have to ask that question. What pleases God in this moment? Not what ple pleases me or what pleases them, but actually what, what pleases God. And this is a vision for all of family life. And so what I want to do is I want to dig into the scriptures, specifically into the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, you find a lots of stories specifically about families. Because of the nation of Israel 
and the mandate that God had given them, they, they were supposed to be fruitful and multiply the earth. And as they multiplied the earth and as they had kids and as kids had kids and as kid, kids had kids, there's this picture of if one generation d- decides to follow after God and passes that on to the next generation, then the next generation will do it. And the next generation. And there's this idea of you really see the family structure and family life is a big part of this big vision we talked about in week one, knowing God and making him known. And so I want to talk about the story of, of Joshua and in Joshua's life, you, you see that he decided that he was going to lead his family and set an example to all families to serve and follow after God as a team. And so to do that, I want to kind of take a brief kind of historical journey with you all. Um, I don't know if you've learned much about Joshua, but Joshua took over from the leader Moses in the Old Testament. And Moses was the man that led the Israelites out of Egypt And he was a strong leader. He faced insurmountable odds. He trusted in God. And he really led the people out of just a dire situation. Moses also led the people, once they escaped from Egypt, into the desert, into kind of more dire situation. And so Moses, he he led well. And he set an example. He was a mixed bag like all of us. But Joshua came to kind of take over Moses and he started kind of training under Moses and learning under Moses and Moses knew that there'd be the time that that he would take over and in the beginning of Joshua you you find this kind of passing of the baton of leadership and so Moses had led up to this point and now it was Joshua's job to take all of the Israelites into the promised land that God had given them and so Joshua had big shoes to fill he faced many things that all of us face when we enter into something we don't know, just fear and am I good enough? Do I have enough of what it takes? Uh, can I actually accomplish what I'm supposed to accomplish? All these things which can plague us. He experienced fear. He experienced doubt. All sorts of things. But what you find is in the beginning of Joshua, he decided that if this is going to work out, if I'm going to lead the people into the land that God wants us to, then I'm actually going to have to make sure that I follow God. That's the only way it's going to work. And so throughout the book of Joshua, you get these, these lessons and battles and stories all about Israel choosing to cooperate with God. And then when they go off track, choosing again to cooperate with him again. And when they go off track, choosing again to cooperate with him. And Joshua again and again was trying to show the people, when you get off track, we have to get back on track to follow and listen to God. And so just like Moses, Joshua was getting old. And so he began to think, you know, God has led us. And he's given me this responsibility to lead the Israelites. How can I kind of pass on this legacy of faith that Moses passed on to me? And so once you get older, you begin to think about what's next. What's going to happen to the next generation? He began to get concerned about the future. And how to ensure that the people of Israel still cooperate and follow after God. And so in Joshua 23, uh, he gathers the people of the land, the leaders of the land. And he wanted to really pass on his legacy of faith that he had been handed. And he wanted really to kind of get this point in time, this historical point where he just told people, this is what you need to do. And this is how you need to make sure that everyone, every family, every man, every woman, every child cooperates with God and what he wants. So he reminds them, the people, of what it means to be God's people, 
what that meant for their identity, what that meant for their priorities, what it meant for, for all of life. So what he's doing, he's just trying to cut through. We have to focus on a team. And for us to be a team, and this was a nation, for us to be this nation that falls after God, let's all remind ourselves of all that God has brought us through. And so I don't know if you've ever talked to kind of an, a grandparent and you start to hear stories from gran- grandparents. When you're younger, you're kind of like, oh, man, this is like the longest story I've ever heard, right? You're like, does this end? Because I've got to go play outside. But as you get older, you realize these stories are crucial. They're talking about how life works. And so the older you get, the more you listen. That's a lot of what happens. And so Joshua, he's bringing these leaders and he's just saying, remember all that God has done. And I wasn't there and, and you weren't there, but I could imagine this was just one of these just pivotal times in the history of following God where people were reminded of his faithfulness and his goodness and all that they had experienced. Some from people that had done things to them and then from themselves, from the decisions they made. And it was just this time of God has not forgotten us. Let us not forget God. God has not forgotten us. Let us not forget God. And it was this pivotal time. Well, fast forward the next chapter, Joshua 24. He begins to kind of move from perspective. All that God had done, all that God had helped us with to what do we do? And more importantly, what are you going to do as I pass on and I meet God in eternity? What are you going to do? And so he begins to look at how can I challenge and motivate the people? And I'm going to pick up the story in Joshua 24:14. So after he had really given them perspective, he says this. Now, now, therefore, this is what they're supposed to do. Now, therefore, in light of God's faithfulness, in light of all God has done, in light of the fact that God has never left us, now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods of your fathers that your father served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. So in that one verse, you see this vision of family life, because as he's talking to the leaders of the nation, he's actually talking to the heads of the families. He's not wanting this just to be kind of this, this little group that's supposed to just pass it on. He's talking to all the leaders. So they may go, get, go home and say, you know what, what Joshua said, this is what we need to do. He reminded us of God's faithfulness. He reminded us of what our lives and what we should give ourselves to. And so this was really the vision for family life. And it began really from the beginning. This idea of fearing the Lord, serve him. And so I just want to walk through a few things in this, this one verse. Because it actually has a lot of meaning for the picture that we have of what family life should be all about. Uh, the first is fear the Lord. Fear the Lord, it means to, to take God seriously enough that you actually want to Consider him in the details of your life. It's not just belief in God. It's not just an idea of God. But it's really the sense of God wants to be involved in all the details of my life. And so in the details of my life, um, for how I handle myself at work to how I handle myself in relationship, I actually have to do that in view of who God is. Meaning what I do needs to actually reflect him and his ways. And so it's a, it's a consideration. It's this idea that I need to keep God in mind. He needs to be my reference point. And it's kind of like the solar system. Uh, when people started to kind of first explore the solar system, everyone thought Earth was the center of the universe. Doesn't that make sense? Because everyone was on Earth and they're like, of course we're the center. We're here. And they began to look at things and realize, like, I think our research is a little off. Earth actually isn't 
the center, and they began to have to change all of their theories. And life is a lot like that as well. We're born, and we have a will, and we have a drive, and we kind of have things that we want to see happen, and it's really easy to become the center of our universe because it's our life. And we think everything orbits around us, and family life becomes like that. What Joshua is doing, he's saying, fear the Lord. Change your orbit. Change who is in the center. Fear the Lord means God is at the center. And you have to make sure your reference point is is around him. The next phrase you see is serve him in sincerity. This is the idea that following God and our family is going to actually do this with integrity. Like we're not just going to talk about things, but our family is going to actually be about things that we're going to actually give ourselves to the things that, that God wants. So loving people, how do we do that? in a sincere way that is actually real? And how do our kids experience that? And how do our spouse experience that? And how does everyone kind of connected to our family see that we actually serve God and it's real? And that's going to impact the way that we treat people. And so it's this idea that if you want to fear God, you actually have to serve him with sincerity. It can't be a game where we say one thing and, and do another. Because you know what? Can kids see through things? Yeah. The other day, this is like a full disclosure. I could like spend a whole message of how much I've screwed up in my parenting. And I'm just not going to do that because that's not going to really help us. But I had a moment the other day with my daughter and I was kind of thinking about this and the power of example. And my daughter was um, kind of snapping at one of my sons. And as I, like, told her what she was doing, do you know how I told her? I, I, I snapped. And, like, right when I said it, I was like, that was just the worst thing I've ever, you know, actually, it's not the worst thing, but this doesn't make any sense. And right when I said it, I was like, that didn't make any sense. I just totally told her to not do what I just did. Welcome to parenting. And right then she said, well, that, that's what you just did. And you know, you get that point where you're like, man, they, they get a lot more than I thought they did and sometimes wish they did. And right then I was like, you know, you're exactly right. I just totally screwed up. What it was, it wasn't sincere. I was telling her and it didn't match what I was telling her because my example didn't have sincerity to it. There was a lack of integrity because I wasn't actually practicing what I was saying. And this is the challenge in all of family life. As you relate to your your spouse, as you relate to your your kids, as you relate to your extended family, do the things that you say you're about match actually what you you do? And this is what Joshua is saying. For this to actually continue, for us to maintain God as the priority, it's got to be sincere. It has to be sincere, serving him. And, And then he goes in faithfulness. The idea of reliability, that as we serve God and... We choose to follow him. We recognize him as the one that he's going to bring all of life to better. He's going to bring all of life together. Not my own strategies or my own ideas, but it's God who holds our family. It's really easy in family life. You start seeing things unravel and you think, I just, we just got to hold on for dear life. And you just, just got to hold on. Right? Just hold on. And you get to the point where you're like, I don't think we can hold on anymore. And that, that's the point in which Joshua is saying this. You actually have to 
be faithful to God, and he's going to take care of those things. And then he goes on and put away the gods. And in the time of Israel, they, they, when you read the Old Testament, you see again and again times where they really got off track. And they, they were the people of God. And people knew that they followed God. But there were many times where they just chose to not follow God anymore and worship gods made with hands. And it was this idea that, you know, we, that's a part of our history. He wasn't trying to erase it. He was just saying this is a part of our history. But you, you have to put away the gods that your fathers worshipped. You have to put away these gods. And for them, they actually had just these mental pictures of the gods that they worshipped. And for us, many times we don't have these necessarily you know, physical gods that, that we worship. But in family life, there, there's gods that we can worship as well. I was thinking about the, this just in my own life. There's, there's gods of achievement that you can focus on, uh, which is how can we look good enough, right? There's a god of achievement. How, how can we appear to be something that is going to look good to others? And you begin to use your energy and your focus to try to appear a certain way and to achieve certain things. So achievement becomes a big part of your purpose and it can become a God. Okay, we, we have to make sure that we do this and we say this and we buy this and we go here and all this kind of helps us create this picture of what our, our family is. And it's, you know, if you drive around neighborhoods, there's no shortage of just achievement. And achievement and things that, that God provides is, is not bad in itself. But what you find is if the outside of like a house and what's in the driveway becomes what your family is about, oftentimes that, those things fade away. And they don't last. But if they become our God, they, they can really lead us off track. There's also the God of, of career because here's the thing about career and work. God wants us to work. And that's actually a big part of the vision that he's given us in life. He wants us to cause things to happen and bring things that don't exist into existence. That's part of the, the mandate he's given us as humans. But sometimes the God of achievement and the God of career are connected because if you have a vision of the appearance that you want your family to have, then you have to have the job that allows the appearance to happen, right? Because you, you can't make less or you can't work less because you have to achieve this. And then there's another type, which is our family itself can be a kind of idol. Without realizing it, we just focus on our family. We can't see past the unit. We're a team, but sometimes we forget that we're a part of a bigger team that exists. And that is the church. All the believers that are actually trying to do this as well. And so Joshua is saying, no matter what your, your fathers did, put, put away those, those false gods. Don't focus on the wrong thing. And so he just, he gave just perspective. He kind of had people's hearts. Remember all God has done. And then he, then he says, as you remember, you have to fear him. He has to be your reference point. You have to serve him. And then you always have to battle to focus on him and him alone. And in Joshua twenty four fifteen, he makes a big statement. 
And this is, a, this is a challenge that we can handle and take today as well. It says in Joshua 24:15, And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods your father served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. It's such an interesting statement when you realize the position of life that Joshua was in. He was kind of at, you know, coasting in terms of age, if you match it to our culture. He was just, he kind of lived his life. He had led well. He had done what God wanted him to. But at the end, he decided, I I can't just start well and the middle do well. I have to actually end my life well. Because God's given me this role and this life to live out before people. And so he just says, I'm, I'm not checking out. But each of you have to choose this day whom you'll serve. And so it's a great picture. He's, he's really just highlighting something which is so crucial to vision, which is freedom. Everyone has freedom to choose the picture that you want in your life. Everybody. No one can give their vision to you. You actually have to, again, you have to own it. And so he's just saying, after all I've said, and after all God has done, and after all the help that he's provided, you choose. Then he connects it to their own family. You could choose to worship the gods that your fathers did, or you can choose to worship the gods of the people of where we're living right now. But as for me, with the last remaining time I have in my life, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So I was thinking of this passage, this idea of house, it's not just obviously referring to a house. Um, and their picture of house was very different than our picture of house. What he's talking about is, again, the, the family unit. But I was thinking about that, and I grew up, I loved to go spend the night at people's houses. I don't know if you, if you did, you might have been homebodies, but I was the, I was the guy, this is kind of embarrassing, but you know, I would just invite myself like I would. Now I try to be like slick about, Hey, invite me over, but don't tell your parents. I asked you that, but it's just, I just, I just loved just kind of going over to people's houses and being a part of it. But as I was thinking about this, as for me in my house, I realized that, you know, I had a kind of a picture of every friend's house that I went to had an experience to it, right? You had like the friend's house that like you got to stay up way later than your own house. And so, you know, that was always on the rotation. Then you have the house that like you maybe didn't eat, like, I don't know, like they just didn't have as much food as I'm like just opening up just a lot of my background here. But I always thought like, am I going to be hungry when I'm there? You know, like they have the pantry and so... Depending on the amount of food, it would determine the rotation that they'd get on the thing. And, and then there's the abundance of food. And so like Costco, like did they go like a Costco trips a lot? And so all this, all this to say, like it was an experience. And I wasn't thinking of their house. I was an experience of the culture of their family. Like what was it like? And some was enjoyable and, and some wasn't. And, and that's what Josh was talking about. He's just. You have to decide what your family's going to be about. And at a young age, I was obviously referencing many minor things that didn't really matter. But it impacted me. 
And this is what Joshua is saying. He's, everyone has to choose what their household and what their family is going, is going to be about. And so in this statement in verse 15, he's actually, despite all he's said, there's an element in it. He's talking people out of it. He's giving them freedom. You know, you could choose to serve those other gods. You could do it. What he realized is, is every family that decides to make this statement, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord, it comes with a great cost. It does. And so as Joshua is painting this vision, he's also just showing that this will come with great cost. And there's a couple things that that's related to. For one, if you decide that you and your house is going to serve the Lord and you're going to give yourself fully to him, it actually has consequences to it. Because God calls us forward to please him and to obey him, and he's very gracious. But if you decide that you're going to actually live for him and bear his name on your family, you're his son, you're his daughter, and he will discipline you just like parents. So there's a sense in which he's saying, if this is real to you, make sure that you know what the commitment is. Make sure that you know that there's going to be times where God may discipline you out of love to make sure you remember who your parent is. There's a part of, of how discipline r- reminds us of who we belong to. Our parents disciplined us. Our parents trained us and instructed us. And that's what God's saying. And Joshua's reminding them, you have to choose. And the second thing is, if you choose that, that God is going to be the center of your family life, and you're going to orbit around him, you're going to be in the midst of people that orbit around other things. That's what Joshua's alluding to. All these other gods. They worship the gods specifically. Again, our gods look differently. Achievement. It could be career. It could be just focusing inwardly on the family. All these can be the things that we focus on. And what he's saying is we live in a place where people are serving many, many different things. And so if this isn't what you want to give your life to and sacrifice your life to, don't do it. Choose this day who you will serve. And so I don't know what, you know, the whole picture was, but could you imagine he's just setting this up, just God's faithfulness, all that he has done. This is how life works. There's no one that can compare to God. So he's saying that there's no one that's been as faithful to us. There's no one that's come through for us. There's no one who had power like God had. Look at all he'd done. He'd taken us from slavery. He'd taken us from the desert. And now we're in the promised land. Is there another God or man or anyone that could do that? As you can imagine, the people were just, they were fired up. They were like, thank you, Joshua. You've reminded us of what really matters. But in verse 15, he says, but you have freedom to choose what you want. Now, I don't imagine anyone was like, all right, I'll see you, Joshua. Kind of awkward, right? But everyone had to make that decision in their heart. And so he just was explaining this walking through. And then you find in verse 23 and 24, they, they had pleaded with him, you know, basically, thank you for laying this out. Thank you for reminding us. We, we're going to serve the Lord. 
And in verse 23 and 24, he said to them, Then put away the foreign gods that are among you, and incline your heart to the Lord, the God of Israel. Now listen to this in verse 24. And the people said to Joshua, The Lord our God we will serve, and his voice we will obey. So Joshua is basically saying, As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I don't know how much longer I have in this life. It's probably not as long as all the people he was talking to. But he says, this is how I'm going to end. Who's with me? And when they said, we're with you, Joshua. Okay, well then, put away all the things that get your attention other than God. Put them away. All the other visions you have for family life and all the things that kind of get in the way of God's priorities and what he wants Put them away. The vision shifts. And you incline your heart. And they respond in his voice. We will obey. That just has so many implications because you remember like with, with your parents and an authority figure, there's always that phrase, did you hear what I said? Right? And I find myself, did you hear? Because there's a part of hearing Equals doing, right? Like that's like your, that's a good day in parenting. They hear and they do. But always when they don't do, the first question is, did you hear? And that's this picture. It's the leading and following. You have to choose whose voice you are actually going to listen to. And that's what Joshua is saying. And so I want to I wrap up the series really just encouraging you, wherever you are, you have to weigh the cost of what you're living for. Not just in your your own family life, but in the direction of your life, in in what you determine success is, and what you think you need to head and what you need to be doing. You, You need to weigh the cost. Will I serve the Lord and, and listen to his voice? Each of us has the freedom to do that. But with the freedom means that we also could be going and serving other things and missing out on God's best. What you find is if you actually decide to serve God and Him only, there's a tremendous amount of blessing that flows from that. And Joshua reminded all the people, and it's true for us today. If you followed after Christ, you have experiences, I have experiences. It's true. But we have to decide, despite the things that we don't know in our future and and everything that might happen in family life and in our life, who are we going to serve? And whose voice are we going to listen to? So as I wrap up, there's some next steps that you can take on your connection card. If you want to pull that out, I'm going to invite the band up and they're going to lead us in another song. Uh, But there's two next steps that you can take that you'll see on the, the left hand box of the connection card. And the first one is, Decide to make God the number one priority in my life and lead my family to do the same. Uh, there might be a step before that, which is what are the priorities of my life? What are the different things? What are the different voices that you, you listen to? And the second is, if you've never invited Jesus to actually lead you, and if you've never decided to give your life over to follow him, uh, you can decide to do that today. And that is really the beginning of, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. It begins with a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And so if you check that, 
uh, we'd love to get some information to you and follow up with you. Um, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to sing a song back to God. God, we, we do thank you for the opportunity to be a part of your family, and you have made us all, and we all have the freedom to choose whether we, we will be your sons and daughters. And I, I, I pray that today, if there's anyone that is just trying to figure out what to live for and who to live for, that, that you'll really draw them to yourself. And God, I pray that the voices that we listen to that distract us and anything that may pull us really to focus on the wrong things, God, just help us to see those and to, to put them away. And so we ask for your help in this, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. One other thing before we start the song, uh, we have a series that we're going to be launching next week called Beginning Again. And this series we've been talking about vision and having the right picture. And Beginning Again is, is going to be, what about if our picture has gotten messed up? And what do we do from there? And so we're going to be talking about how to have a fresh start with God and all the different areas of life that we experience. So invite you back to that and a good opportunity to invite friends and family as well.